And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's the little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Hey folks, welcome into On to Waveland. This podcast is brought to you by DirecTV Stream. Get your TV together with the best of live and on demand. Learn more at directtv.com. On to Waveland, also brought to you by Tops. Check out Tops Project 70, celebrating 70 years of Tops baseball cards. I am Brett Taylor, joined by Patrick Mooney. We are here to talk Cubs baseball, or, you know, I gotta I gotta work on that. That's, that's always my intro. We're here to talk Cubs baseball. There's no Cubs baseball right now. We're here to talk Cubs organizational uh, direction and decisions and spending money intelligently. Being really active, but also intelligent. Um, that's obviously a reference to the big news of the week. It's the end of season presser from Jed Hoyer, his first as president of the Cubs. And we're going to get into some of the more interesting things he said or didn't say, but I want to kick it off, uh, with that line there. So, uh, obviously Jed dropped it again, the, the idea that the Cubs are going to be really active in free agency, but they are going to spend intelligently. And I'm curious, Mooney, clearly whether that was like explicitly workshopped in, in the front office and sort of batted around. It's like, how do we want to express, how do we want to say that we're going to, you know, try to do a lot of things, maybe make a lot of signings, but we're not going to, you know, we're not going to be in on Carlos Correa. Like that's, that's what I hear when he says this. And I'm curious your thoughts on like, to what extent that's just Jed sort of found a way he wanted to, have this to make this point to to comment this or do you think they actually are like how do we best express this without saying anything that's going to affect the markets that we're trying to pursue uh what's not going to piss off fans too much like i'm just curious to since he like they've he's said it like five times in five different places and then again this week so clearly there's an attachment to that phrasing yeah i think Free agency in general is difficult to talk about. Uh, I think he kind of referenced this like because of the CBA or something like that. And I think it's his verbal stylings. Uh, I mean, they've been sitting on this for months now. Like they, they've already <laughs> shifted their focus towards this direction. It's not like they were uh, knocked out game 162 and suddenly had to shift focus. Like they've been thinking about this a long time. And I think... Uh, reading between the lines, you're absolutely correct. Like someone like Correa is not going to fall to an area that makes sense to them. Like period. Uh, like Sahadev said, we don't think there's going to be any five, six, seven year offers. They're, you know, the Gossman Rays know of the market, but maybe they'll reach out, see where it is. But I mean, there's no like realistic likelihood that 
they're going to fall into the Cubs range. But, you know, we've been saying this for a long time. There's so much money on the book coming off the books. And they have so many holes on the roster. Like they're going to do a lot. It's just going to be on shorter term deals, uh, higher AAVs, things like that. And I mean, you don't, you don't really need to watch the entire Zoom conference. I'd recommend not because there was a lot of kind of <laughs> uh, fast forwarding type moments. But uh, that was in essence it. He did not say that the budget would go back to where it was in 2019 when they had the highest payroll in the National League. And there was this kind of tap dance around, we'll be really active, we'll sign a lot of guys, but um, it's not going to be mega deals. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Yeah, so I thought it was funny the you know this this whole idea of like we're going to you know be active but spend intelligently is probably not an explicit response to was the Phillies GM, right? A couple years ago that was like we're going to we're going to just be out there and be stupid. Like I think, I think he it was said the owner. Right? It was the owner. Okay. Stupid owner. money, right? Stupid money, yes. And of course that did precede the signing of Bryce Harper which I I thought that was a very interesting signing, if nothing else. You know, 14 years or whatever at a lower AAV is interesting. I don't know that I would call it stupid money, but it it does remind you that there's really not much benefit to saying, yeah, we're going to be out there spending a ton. And certainly the Cubs front office under Theo and then under Jed, that's always been their mantra about spending. It was. It's always been like, you know, ah, well, we just don't see a competitive advantage in saying blah, 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 blah. But you could pretty easily, I think, I, I don't know that there has been a single offseason in these 10 years that we've been shocked by the type of spending that they've done. You know, like there wasn't a year where it was like, whoa, thought this was going to be this kind of offseason and it's turned into this. So I think we can generally read the tea leaves pretty well and um, like you said, maybe there'll be some guys that sort of surprisingly fall into ranges where the Cubs see value and you kind of throw other plans out the window. But generally speaking, it just uh, for for reasons we have discussed at length and that have been reinforced by comments that Jed Hoyer has made. It just doesn't seem like this is the time when the Cubs are going to be going after the guys who require six, seven, eight year deals in order to sign because the maximum value you get from those guys are in the first couple years and that doesn't seem to align with the Cubs best opportunity to win even as they're going to try to compete in 2022 through some of these shorter term higher AAV deals and again that's why we focus on that so much and that's why it seems like that's what 
what uh, Hoyer's reinforcing in his comments. Um, I did appreciate that was you Mooney, right? That asked during the press conference, like that, uh, when will payroll be back to like 2019 levels or will them spending go back to 2019 levels specifically? And yes. you pressed him on that. Yeah. Um, that was good. I, I, you could see in his countenance that he totally got the question. And even though I think he asked for like a, a restate almost, he totally got like, it. I don't know what that himself. is. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah. You have the highest payroll in the national league, but yeah. Um, and he knew, I, I think, I think I'll give, give credit and say, I think there's a genuineness to this point in time, not knowing exactly what they're going to spend next year. I think that's genuine because he has a, he has a sense, but not an exact number yet. That usually goes through October, the budgeting process. Right. So you've got the combination of the Cubs will actually do their budgeting and their planning for forward looking years, but you, you sort of. What's delicate, too, is, yeah, maybe you could extrapolate it out to an expected payroll number for next year. But, like, it also depends on who becomes available. What, you know, long-term money can you say, well, maybe we could, you know, rejigger things a little bit for this year because we want to actually sign this four-year deal with this guy. and Because they're making plans many years out in advance in terms of expected, you know, revenue projections, expense projections. And so I think that's something that's fair to keep in mind when we talk about like what the expectations are for the Cubs spending next year. But, you know, genuinely, I thought the way you asked it was the best way to put that question. Cause it's what we really want to know. It's not give me a specific dollar amount for payroll next year. It's when are you going to be able to be at the level that you were at a couple, you know, pre pandemic. That's, that's all we really want to know is like how deep and long lasting is the impact from the pandemic and that transition going to be, or at least how long is the organization going to sell that idea? And I, you know, I don't know what else we do with that information. Well, I liked the way you wrote it up on Bleacher Nation of just like, this is a callback for the rest of the off off season that these manufactured zoom TV shows are not the ideal forum for extracting useful information, but at least it's recorded and it's being broadcast live and they have to say something. And sometimes it's not the answer. It's just the question. And that the fact that it wasn't like we're back to where we were, which I don't think anyone assumed the Cubs are going to go back to a $220 million payroll next year. But there are tea leaves that we can read and that I will give Jed credit that he is not someone who is going to straight out lie to your face. I know sometimes there are these kind of corporate buzzwords and that it may not be exactly what fans want to hear, but it's not, he does not speak in Matt Nagy uh, word salads, which is always appreciated. And I think he um, appreciates the fact that we have a job to do. He understands that this is a way to speak directly to Cubs fans and that um, he, you know, grew up, you know, obsessing over the Red Sox and like reading Peter Gammons. Like he, he gets all that. So I I don't have any issues with, you know, how he answered or what he answered. I just thought it was, um, had to be asked, even if, you know, he's not going to like write a number on a sheet of paper and like put it up against the screen, obviously, but we can kind of tell like there's a ton of money coming off the book. So there's going to have to be a reinvestment made because it's a 91 loss team with like enormous holes everywhere on the field. Um, 
But I think what you've written, Brett, kind of throughout this post-World Series window, you know, it's not the Bryce Harpers of the world that necessarily frustrate Cubs fans, though there obviously was a ton of interest in that. It's like, you know, DJ LeMahieu on that two-year deal, whatever, for $30 million, or like not waiting to sign Craig Kimbrell until Ben Zobris takes an unpaid personal leave of absence. It's like, and the more chances you can take, the more bets you can make. If you trust your baseball operation, you want them to be doing that, whether it's an injured guy or a faded prospect, just to do more and more and more. And like, I get why people look at the Rays or, you know, if Cubs convention is a thing, there's going to, you know, they'd have a session on like the 2021 Padres, a cautionary tale. Like that's what we're going to be hearing all winter. It's like, but you're not the Rays. You're not the Padres. You're the Chicago Cubs. So act like it. Yeah. That inability to, or the, is it inability? Maybe that's giving too much credit. The unwillingness to look at your roster and know where you have the necessity perhaps to paper over some mistakes and to take advantage of opportunities in the market where maybe it's not super convenient for payroll purposes, but where there's going to be value. And like, you know, you mentioned Craig Kimbrell and that's, that's, that's almost a perfect example. Like throw, let's throw out for a moment how things proceeded because that 2019 season, I think he just got out of whack because his market didn't develop. And like, I just, I throw that year out. And then you had the pandemic year where he had three bad appearances to start the season. And then he was amazing. From then on, he was Craig Kimbrell. And I think back to that off season and it would have made sense from the beginning to pursue Kimbrell because his market didn't develop in a way where he was going to get Uber paid. And it was like, okay, there's an opportunity there. And they just, they, for whatever reason, the money was not made available until, like you said, just that perfect confluence of money being returned to the team, essentially because of Ben Zobrist. Then it's like, okay, we can do this. And it just felt so, it, there were so many opportunities like that. I mean, you named the other, DJ LeMay, he was another big one where it just felt like a, a guy is clearly not getting his full value in the market you're the Chicago Cubs, one of the biggest revenue teams in baseball. You should take advantage of these opportunities when they present themselves. And on the one hand, while I'm pleased that from a payroll standpoint, the Cubs now are clearly in a position not to be unable to take advantage of any of those opportunities. Like they should be able to be right there now on any of those. I just, I don't love that it's as if we're it's being presented in tandem with this idea that like, yeah, we can be really intelligent now and target the guys we really want right now, but only because we don't have a bunch of huge contracts on the books. So what do you we have like three us? big league players on our roster? Yeah. Like that's, that's what it takes in order to be able to be in this position. So it's like, I'm, I'm trying to have it both ways as a fan. Cause I've mentioned before on the podcast that, I'm really stoked about where the Cubs are in terms of the ability to target some of these shorter term, really intriguing, super high upside, but very risky, you know, pricey short term deal guys. I just, they haven't been able to play in that pool in a long time or they haven't been willing to. And so I'm excited that they are. 
But at the same time, I don't want to yield to this idea that suddenly when the big long-term contracts come around, then you can only be in that mode and you can't have it both ways. And um, so that's why, you know, uh, Jed Hoyer was mentioning the Giants and the Rays as examples of teams that everybody will try to emulate because they didn't win the offseason because they do it in a certain way. And in his defense, I don't think he was just saying like, oh, they're very economical and how they've done it. True, yeah. But... But at the same time, it's like he was clearly focusing on certain types of transactions. And I'm thinking in my head as he's mentioning it, well, the Rays are kind of a a unique bird. Like, I I really feel like it's hard to compare anything to them. But I think about the Giants and they're going to spend this offseason. I mean, they're like they're probably wouldn't you call them the favorite to to sign Chris Bryant at this point? And like, yes, that's going to be. A monster contract. So, like, does that mean that they're now wrong? That they've suddenly become an unintelligent organization by doing that? And so, I guess I'm just careful not to say that uh, just because I'm excited about what the Cubs might do this offseason, that, like, they should forever be out on big contracts. And, um, yeah, I, I just don't want to give too much credit to... Or, or ignore it, like you said, that the last few years, the Cubs could have probably been doing a lot of this same stuff, and they just chose not to. Yeah, I think we have to be open-minded here, and I, and I think Jed is looking at it like he's not going into next year like I'm writing off 2022. Like, And again, <laughs> the Cubs and the Padres are not like peer franchises, but if you look at his... I want to say first year in San Diego, like they made a couple moves. They got a lot of best case scenarios, like over and over again, guys outperforming, guys having career years. I think they won like 90 games and almost won a division title until Mike Quaddy's Cubs uh, knocked them out uh, in late September. And then I want to say that was the Giants' first even year World Series. Mike Quaddy got him got himself a, a return gig. That's right. Yeah, that. it was. Uh, and so... Like, that's not, like, something you'd, like, stake your reputation on or, like, bet your uh, 401k on. But it's entirely possible that the Cubs can make a lot of really good, smart moves this offseason and spend in a thoughtful, intelligent way that leads to the Cubs, you know, totally um, exceeding our expectations right now as, like, I'm sitting in a basement. You know what I mean? Like, things can happen. It's just they're not going to give themselves the best chance to win in 2022. And I think clearly what he's looking for big picture is like they need to figure out what they got at the big league level. The Nikos, the Madrigals, the Hoyers, the uh, how they're going to kind of like bullpen their way through the season, you know, and then these interesting prospects, you know, I think it's reasonable to expect Brennan Davis to be at Wrigley field at some point next year, but then it's that like other group at the lower end of the system. Like they need to see progress from them. And like 2020 was just, you know, kind of a, almost a nothing uh, largely for the farm system. And then this year there were a ton of injuries um, on the pitching side position player side and like all the good things that they're pointing to are almost (laughs) exclusively at the class a level or the uh complex league level so like you know does a 
a Ryan Jensen or a Jordan Wicks on the pitching side take steps forward. And then like some of these interesting young um, position players, like can they move forward? And then, you know, Jed can be like, okay, it's time to start putting the foot down. And you're kind of lining up to exactly where we were at spring training last year, just not with all these big name 2016 world series players of if we hit our best case scenarios, yes, we'll buy in a, in a methodical way at the trade deadline. Otherwise we're just going to get rid of these guys and get more prospects. Like it's going to be another kind of, you know, three month season or whatever, three, four month season. Yeah, it is. It's crazy how you can set up, you can imagine a world where there are going to be so many parallels between 2022, the, you know, our expectations for it and 2021, which is crazy given completely different roster, completely mm-hmm. different set of players, um, different tier of players potentially, but it is, that is funny. And now two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream direct TV satellite free. Hey Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get direct TV. What's the little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is you can stream direct TV over the internet now. Oh sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream direct TV without a satellite dish. Visit directtv.com. High speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. So I do want to mention a couple things that stood out to me from Jed's comments that I did really like. Um, two two major things stood out that, again, not entirely unexpected, but aligned with some things that I think, and it just I I dug hearing them. One was he was not handing jobs to anybody, like even Frank Schwindel. Uh, Hoyer was, I mean, he had of course great praise for him as he should, because again, what. Schwindel has done and how he has done it the last two months uh, was really impressive. And you'd be crazy not to be like, okay, we need to carve out some space for this guy. But it wasn't like Hoyer was taking the low hanging fruit and being like, yeah, he won himself the first base job. We we got that locked down. He was just very cautious to be like, this guy is going to be an important part of our team. We'll figure out how later. That, and that was sort of the message throughout. And it's what we've been saying about a lot of these guys. We've been saying it about some of the pitchers. We've been saying it about Nico Horner. We've been saying it about Schwindel. And I I like that. I like to know that that's the thinking heading into the offseason about these guys, this group of players. Yeah, I thought, thought back to stuff that you had written, Brett, and what we had talked about. And I, I think you have to give Jed credit. You may not like every move he says. You may not like the way he says everything, but... He has a pretty clear-eyed view of this organization and he's seen some of like the best teams of this generation like up close day after day after day and he knows what that looks like and you know I think we've seen you know what did Joe Madden say there's no entitlement program here and then it kind of felt like the Cubs had one <laughs> and that I forgot there's about no that quote. that's good there's no uh that's not knock on Joe, which is kind of like the Cubs were stuck with this group for a long time. And so I, I, I do think, um, you know, he's obligated to give credit to the 2016 players. And he said he watched, uh, you know, some of the Red Sox Yankees game and, you know, like seeing Schwarber and Rizzo, but I do think it's energizing, uh, to have this opportunity to reshape the team and build it. Um, and in kind of the image that you have, 
in your head. And Frank Schwindel was a nice story. Uh, Patrick Wisdom was a nice story. Um, they've certainly earned kind of the benefit of the doubt uh, heading into camp. And, you know, I think we can see a role for them on this team next year. But, like, thinking they've had it made or they've figured it out, um, you know, it would be uh, very short-sighted. And so, I mean, Jed knows he wants to build a a team that can win, you know, 95 games. And, um, you know, he does, he's been given this kind of uh, opportunity to where he's not just like, you know, trying to like compete for the second wild card to like save his job or prove something like he's trying to build it for the long term. And so why would you lock yourself into almost any position heading into next year? And speaking of, or at least I can do a decent transition off of that to the other thing that I really liked, which, you know, we think about and we've talked at length about, and we don't have to dig in at this time on Albert Alzali, Justin Steele, Keegan Thompson. Uh, but what I really liked is in the discussion of that group, uh, Jed Hoyer was asked something that we've wondered about for a while is what is the organization's philosophy and or appetite for working pitching prospects in initially as relievers and then transitioning them back to stars, which is something that a handful of organizations do and have done successfully. And uh, for, <laughs> for a dramatic lack of homegrown pitching prospects, we have not had an opportunity in the Theoged era to even know if that's something that they're into. And so I appreciated his discussion of that topic that yes, that he's a fan of that conceptually and what I liked in particular was he offered a part of the reason he likes it was not something that I had thought about, which was this idea that like when people talk about this concept, it's shows the guy he can get big league hitters out, gets him some experience being around uh, big league pitchers, um, helps him craft his pitches, you know, wh whatever. Like there, there are these narrow reasons why it makes sense. But then he offered one that I had never thought of before, which is that if you do it specifically in a multi-inning role, but you're communicating, hey, you're a reliever, so let it all hang out, do the relief thing. But then the guy comes out for a second inning and he sees, okay, my stuff is still there. I was really pushing last inning, but it's still there. My velo is still there. And he comes out for a third inning and it's still there. And it can help teach a young pitcher who maybe came up always thinking as a starter, like I've got to preserve a little bit. You know, I got to hold back a little bit to try to go five, six innings. It, they they learn, oh, you know what? I'm in my third, fourth inning of this relief appearance and I'm still pedal down and my stuff is is still there. And um, I thought that was a really interesting way. Like it's a it's a way to prove to a young pitcher you can push a little harder earlier on and, and still have it hang for multiple innings. Yeah, I did like in that video conference, it was like every kind of like, not fringe player, but like bubble player, like asking like every single guy, like you see on the team next year and be like, probably, but we don't know the role. It's like you could just, except for Wilson Contreras and Kyle Hendricks, everyone is kind of in this other bucket of like, prove it. Like do what we say in the off season, get yourself in great shape, work on your weaknesses and kill it in Arizona. And then we'll see where we're at. Like I, I I'm trying to think, is there anyone besides Hendricks and Contreras who you are penciling in for like next year, like period? 
Well, for like a specific spot and role. No. Yes, because that closest, you can count on, that you can reasonably yeah, like count on, yeah. Nick Madrigal would be one, right? But like, I don't know that we can say He's, specifically. He played, what, two 30-game seasons exa- in the majors. Exactly. So like, exactly. I, I'm not like, off the top of my head, I can't think of anyone else. And I'm saying Mills is probably your fifth starter. Nico and, and Madrigal are in the mix. Schwindel's in the mix. Right. Wisdom, you know. Hap's in the is probably yeah, I mean, Hap somewhere. I mean, is probably closer to the Hendricks. Um, but your point is well taken. But it's like, you know, we didn't have to keep asking Jed over and over again. Like, this is what it is. And, you know, I think in a lot of ways it's it's refreshing um, to kind of see that. Yeah. So that's, um, you know, I don't think anybody expected anything totally revelatory. Probably the biggest bit of news was that Mike Borzello, after 10 years in the organization as a strategy coach, is going to be moving on. Um, otherwise, it was... A useful exercise, uh, like I had mentioned and, and Mooney mentioned, as sort of a touchstone for us to look back to later in the offseason. Um, and we'll probably be getting a little more mileage out of that for discussion purposes going forward. But I think probably the next time we chat with you folks, uh, probably be a little uh, playoff focused because we'll be a little deeper run. And I do think there's not only interesting things to discuss about the postseason, because, hey, if you're listening to this, you like baseball anyway, but it it does, it often presents opportunities to contextualize that stuff through a Cubs lens, and uh, that's something I really like to do. And so I look forward to that the next time we chat with you folks here on On to Waveland. I am Brett Taylor. You can get my stuff at Bleacher Nation. That is Patrick Mooney. Get his at The Athletic. Presumably, Sahadev Sharma will be back with us next time we chat. And we just appreciate you uh, taking this time to let us into your phone or wherever it is that you're getting this podcast. So take care, all. Take care.